And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Tackling Sunday's biggest fantasy stories on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone, welcome into Fantasy Football in 15, Monday, November 9th, week 9, just about in the books. Patriots and Jets still ahead of us on Monday Night Football, but the rest of week 9 is done. We are here to talk about that in these next 15 minutes. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, here we are, uh, heading into the final third of the Fantasy Football regular season. How you doing? Doing well. Hard to believe it's going this fast, but uh, another great weekend of games. Yeah, it was. A lot of fun games, a lot of high-scoring games, a lot of monster fantasy performances, and we're going to talk about some of those on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15, at least the ones that we can maybe act on in the fantasy football world, right? You don't need us to tell you that Dalvin Cook is awesome, and uh, if you can trade for Dalvin Cook, that would be a smart thing to do. You can probably figure that one out on your own, but there were some other games, some other performances that are having uh, us launch these new conversations in the fantasy football world. The one I want to start with, Derek, is another big game production-wise for Drew Locke. 313 yards, two touchdowns through the air, also ran for a touchdown, and 47 yards nearly brought the Broncos back against the Falcons after they fell in a three-score hole. Jerry Judy, also with the big game in this one, seven catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. It feels as though after these last two games now, that that Denver offense we were excited about in the offseason is starting to show some signs that it has arrived. And you know maybe this is going to make someone like Jerry Judy startable every week and Drew Locke at least in that discussion every week. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. And Tim Patrick was back in the fold for the matchup against the Falcons on Sunday, and Judy was still, I think, the clear-cut number one option, which is the way this was probably drawn up. Uh, once Cortland Sutton went down, I think, if Cortland Sutton were healthy, maybe be more of a 1A, 1B situation. But this is a good offense. It's a good set of weapons, at least, around Drew Locke. Plenty of opportunities for him to air it out. And it's not the typical lockdown Denver defense either. I mean, we saw that on display on Sunday. This Broncos team was playing catch-up for the second straight week. Uh, so there's a little more shootout potential there than we're accustomed to, really because of the defense kind of taking a step back towards more of an average unit and the offense having a lot more talent for Drew Locke to work with. And this upcoming schedule is pretty good. You get the Raiders coming up in Week 10. Miami could be uh, a tough matchup, but could be one that runs a little higher than you'd expect score-wise as well in Week 11. Saints, Chiefs, and Panthers. So uh, some opportunities, really, for this Denver team to continue to put some pieces together uh, in the weeks ahead. Yeah, it definitely has that feeling, too, of a team that is only going to continue getting better with uh, with Drew Locke, getting more reps under his belt, more game experience under his belt. Jerry Judy, same goes for him. A couple of young guys uh, who are starting to put together, I think, what could be looked at as a very nice first season together by time 
we are at the end of it. Um, one group that is not putting a nice season together, Derek, is that Seattle Seahawks defense. Just another brutal game in the loss to the Bills. Bills scored 44 points in that one. Josh Allen, 31 for 38 for 415 yards and three touchdowns through the air. Ran for another touchdown as well. So a huge game for Josh Allen. But this is just feeling like if you have someone playing against Seattle, you want that person in your lineup. Yeah, they're kind of an auto stream for quarterbacks that are available. Obviously, Allen's the kind of guy that's been on rosters all season long, but it's the spot where a lot of quarterbacks are putting up their best performances of the season, and I don't really see any end in sight. I don't have any reason to believe that that's going to change anytime soon. So uh, full steam ahead as far as picking on the Seahawks in their upcoming matchups. You've got the Rams, the Cardinals, the Eagles, the Giants all kind of lined up in the next few weeks. I mean, this matchup might even be enough to breathe some life into Daniel Jones in December. Like that's, <laughs> And that's saying something. Uh, yes, it maybe is. more of a DFS play <laughs> than a season-long play once we get down there. Uh, but anybody going up against the Seahawks is absolutely worth considering, especially in two quarterback leagues or any situation where you've been streaming at the position. Yeah, Rams, Cardinals, uh, two teams got to be salivating and, uh, you know, maybe get a chance to get themselves back in the division mix with uh, the Seahawks in first place. Of course, the Rams were on a bye this week. The Cardinals taking a tough loss in one of the most exciting games of the week, uh, falling to the Miami Dolphins at home. But that's an opportunity right there to take down the first place team and get themselves back in that chase for a division championship. Jonathan Taylor seemed early on like maybe he was going to uh, make his fantasy managers happy, scored a touchdown on, I believe, Indy's first possession. If it wasn't their first possession, it was their second possession. Either way, scored early, was getting heavily involved early, and then was basically gone. Six carries for 27 yards in this game. Once again, out-carried, out-produced by Jordan Wilkins. Not like Wilkins ran away with anything. 11 carries for 39 yards. We know this is a tough matchup going up against a Baltimore defense that really clamped down on Indy. They got nothing going on offense really in this entire game, a 24-10 win for the Ravens. Uh, and we were talking about this last week, Derek, that this could be another bad game for Jonathan Taylor, but maybe a prime buy low spot after this one with how his managers have to be feeling. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens' defense is just tough. And even though I'm disappointed by how much we saw Jordan Wilkins, I'm still giving rookies a pass. I mean, it, it was an unusual run-up to this season. I think we've seen a lot of guys start to put pieces together after a bye week and get more involved after that happened. The Colts, of course, already had their bye back in Week 7, which is why we were so disappointed when Taylor didn't do more against the Lions last week. But the schedule gets a lot easier. I'm going to keep driving this home. I think you should trade for him. Two matchups against the Titans coming up the next three games. The Packers sandwiched in between. They can't stop the run at all. Houston in week 13, the Raiders in week 14, another matchup with the Texans in week 15 before a potential tough one against the Steelers in week 16. So Taylor could do a lot of damage, even if he's sharing the backfield for some of these matchups and then kind of take over for the fantasy playoffs. To me, it's at least possible because Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines, they're role players. They're not every down mm -hmm. backs, right? The one guy that was going to be, I think, a thorn in the side of Jonathan Taylor this season Marlon Mack got hurt in week one. Like There shouldn't be this much competition for Taylor as we move forward this season. 
What you like about Jonathan Taylor, too, in this context is that you know, we love in the fantasy world, you know, right, buy, uh, buy low, sell high, you know, make these trades, do these things. And I think one thing that too often gets overlooked is that these need to be things you can actually act on. Like buying low is easy to say. It's not necessarily easy to execute. The other person has to want to sell that player for you to be able to buy them low. Same goes with uh, selling a guy when he is at his peak. Someone has to be interested in buying him at that peak price that you're looking for And I do think that with the way things have gone for Jonathan Taylor this season, the way things have gone for the Colts offense, that this is a realistic player that you can probably get if you go engage his owner for a trade. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, one of the more exciting games of the day, Derek, came between the Panthers and the Chiefs. Panthers nearly pulling off what would have been a huge upset victory over the Chiefs, but the Chiefs pull it out with a 33-231 win. And there are two stories on either side of this game that I want to talk about. Let's first start on Carolina's side. Curtis Samuel staying relevant and more than relevant with a huge game here. Nine grabs, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the touchdown came on one of those little flip plays. So really, effectively, it's a run play that gets counted as a uh, as a receiving play. But what I like about this, Derek, is you know they're finding ways to keep him involved. Christian McCaffrey gets back on the field, has himself a pretty standard Christian McCaffrey game. So, you know, so long Mike Davis, right? But uh, Curtis Samuel staying heavily involved in the offense. This was a guy who always we wanted to have some sort of role like this in this team's offense, and it took a little bit of time for him to find it this year. But that's now, what, three straight games that we've seen him not only productive, but used in interesting, creative ways. And I just don't think that Carolina's going to take that out of their offense after what we've seen from him. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I think I'm in on Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I think a lot of people are at this point. So uh, I, I look at this team and I, I just think, hey, like they, they've got as much talent around Teddy Bridgewater as you could possibly ask for. Are they going to play fast or are they going to give up enough points where they have to throw it 40-plus times like they did against the Chiefs? There's going to be some other matchups where this happens. 
I think the other question here is how much do you really want to lower your expectations for DJ Moore? I know three targets was his lowest total of the season here in week nine. If you look back, a lot of fours, fives, and sixes, a couple 13, 11 big type target games earlier this year, but is he really going to be a five to six target guy week in a week out yeah. now? Or is this just a case where other guys have more favorable matchups and he's drawing top coverage and that's what's opening things up for guys like Anderson and Samuel and of course the pass catching running backs they have. Yeah, I think it might be more that than anything else, but it's definitely, uh, I mean, that doesn't really soothe you if you are a DJ Moore owner, and it, uh, it's not exactly what we were expecting from him, a guy who is being roundly drafted as a top 15 wide receiver. And while we've seen some big games from him, I mean, at least you've gotten that. We've seen some really nice performances from him where uh, he maybe didn't carry you to victory on his own, but he was a big part of your victory. And so we know he still has that, but it does seem like that target consistency, it just isn't going to be there for him for the rest of the season here. And speaking of consistency, other side of this game, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, I when I first saw the box score after this game, I, you know, this was not a game that I was uh, focused on when I was uh, watching the early games. I spent a lot of my uh, early afternoon watching uh, Baltimore and watching Seattle and uh, Seattle and Buffalo and. Man, I saw five carries for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I thought, like, this has to be a mistake, and I went and checked the different pro provider's box score to make sure that that <laughs> indeed was the case. Five carries for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I think the thing you have to be most concerned about here is that didn't exactly hurt Kansas City's offense to just put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and let him do his thing. I mean, it just feels like, I mean, it's it, the five carries is anomalous. But the fact that they were able to be so good offensively with him effectively having zero role has to have you, I think, at least a little concerned. Yeah, it does. I think the thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that it was Edwards Hilaire with five targets in the passing game mm -hmm. while Le'Veon Bell had one target. And if that's the difference between them, if it's like 60-40 in terms of overall touches favoring Edwards Hilaire, that's still probably enough for him to be in lineups week in and week out. This was a disappointing performance. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it at all. In a non-PPR setting, you're talking about 9.4 points on eight touches. I mean, that's just horrible for a first-round yeah. pick for a lot of people. <laughs> I was concerned about him coming into the season. After what we saw in the opener, I felt like I missed out. And once they traded for Bell, I thought, you know, okay, there's obviously a reason to be concerned. They, they added Bell for a reason. Uh, I'm just looking at this situation and wondering – why is it this bad? This was a close game. There wasn't really any reason for the Chiefs to abandon the run in this matchup. It's easier to run on Carolina than it is to throw on them. Now, granted, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you can throw on anybody. Uh, but it was really surprising to not see the Kansas City offense attack Carolina on the ground with at least one of those backs. Yeah, I was surprised by it too when I saw uh, the box score and the fact that they just didn't run at all. It's almost like this is how they drew up the game plan all week. And again, 33 points, a monster game out of Patrick Mahomes. It worked, but still, I would be concerned if I were invested in Clyde Edwards-Alaire at all. Just worried that maybe this is what we see or a, a degree of what we see from Kansas City for the remainder of the season. Um, another one of those early games that I actually caught quite a bit of was Jacksonville and Houston and Whew, let's talk about a sigh of relief. Uh, I am someone who is heavily invested in both DJ Chark and James Robinson. So I was a little concerned about what we were going to get out of Jake Luton in his first start. But the guy looked 
quite good in that start against Houston. 26-38, 304 yards. He threw a touchdown, a long one to DJ Chark. He also threw an interception. Chark went for uh, 146 yards and the touchdown. James Robinson, 99 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And this is a softer matchup than he's going to see, perhaps, for uh, good chunks of the season going up against Houston. But at least the bottom didn't fall out, right? So DJ Chark, all systems go. James Robinson, all systems go. And Jake Luton, maybe we're talking about him as someone who's in our stream discussion from week to week, depending on the matchup. Yeah, I think that's at least possible. I mean, the one thing he did really well at Oregon State, as we touched on earlier this week, is he didn't turn the ball over. And one of the first things he did in his first NFL start was take a shot downfield. He had a huge play to DJ Chark. I think it was his first throw of the game. I was watching through Red Zone. Yeah, so, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was just, okay, like, hey, he took the one thing we were wondering about and sort of answered that question right away. Had a nice TD run with a nice spin move at the end to find the end zone late. I mean, I, I think it's at least worth considering him if you're scrambling and playing the stream game every week or you got a bye week coming up for someone who ordinarily doesn't need a backup on your roster uh, I'm with you on, on Chark. I mean, that's always the thing you're worried about when you have an unproven quarterback taking over. Does he crater the value of the key players you're relying on in the offense? James Robinson was busy, four yards per carry, 25 touches for 99 yards and a score. All in all, I think you got to be pretty happy with what you saw from Jake Luton if you're the Jags. I mean, this is exactly what you're hoping for in a backup quarterback. We're obviously going to get a little bit deeper into uh, waiver wire talk and quarterback streaming uh, on our Athletic Fantasy Football podcast and on Fantasy Football in 15 for Tuesday morning. But just one quick thing here, Derek, you say uh, you have maybe a quarterback who isn't part, who you don't really need a backup for, who maybe goes on a bye and Jake Luton could step in. Week 10, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on a bye. Jake Luton and the Jaguars going to Green Bay to take on the Packers. So I think we will be talking about him potentially in that stream discussion Right off the bat, we had some injuries that I want to just uh, run through really quickly that we'll be keeping an eye on these first 48 hours of the week. Christian McCaffrey actually didn't play the last play of that game because of a rib thing uh, from our own Joe Person, who covers the Panthers for us. Doesn't sound like anything too serious, but maybe something to keep an eye on. Matthew Stafford went into a uh, got was getting uh, observation for a concussion. Same goes for David Johnson and David Montgomery. So we could be maybe talking about Duke Johnson in Houston. Lamar Miller maybe gets signed from the practice squad in Chicago. Justin Jackson ultimately did not play for the Chargers because of a knee injury he suffered during warm-ups. LaVisca Chenault left with a hamstring injury in that uh, loss for the Jaguars. And then finally, Kyle Allen, dislocated ankle. He is going to be out for some time. Alex Smith relieved him and looked pretty good doing it. So it looks like Alex Smith maybe gets back for Washington as the starter. Dwayne Haskins likely the backup, but uh, that's unconfirmed as of yet. We'll have to see how this Washington team attacks it early in the week. And that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get in the door just $1 a week. Go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to do so. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We will be right back here with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and enjoy the Monday night game.